Hello, and thank you for listening to Girl Wonder. My name is Joe Rochelle, and I'm just your everyday girl talking about your favorite webtoons. So, I recorded this entire episode last night, which was Tuesday, and I got up when I was done. And when I came back to my computer to upload it to SoundCloud, it was just gone. All of my audio was gone. All of the music was still in there, but my audio was gone and there was no way to retrieve it. And at first I was I was in disbelief for a second because this has never happened before. And I don't know if I did something that I couldn't undo, but it was there. And then I, I literally left to just make the graphic that I usually make for the podcast episode, that image. And then I came back and it was gone. My voice was gone all of it. And it was very, very scary. But it was also probably a blessing in disguise because I was able to reach out to you guys on Instagram and Twitter and just tell you like, it's gone. I don't know. I I can't record it again tonight because I spent maybe five hours or so just working on this episode yesterday. And I don't want to work to the point of exhaustion or else I will start to resent the podcast, which is absolutely what I don't want. I want to always be excited. I want to always be passionate about webtoons or then what's the reason for me doing this? So I tried to think about how can I re-record this without sounding bored? Because the first time is like really the charm. That's the special magic that you have when you're excited. And I don't want to go through all of my bullet points now about these Webtoon episodes and not be excited. So I thought I would bring in my husband, Josh, who has read some of these webtoons and a part of most of these webtoons, but some of them he has no idea what's going on. And we're going to include him in this episode because me explaining things and me sharing things with him will make me more passionate. And I think it'll be more enjoyable for you guys to listen to instead of me saying something I've already said before, but you just didn't hear it the first time. So here's my husband, Josh. Say hi. Hi. All right. So... In this episode, the theme we're going to explore this week is good versus evil, and we will discuss where characters land on the spectrum of good versus evil just based on their actions in the episodes of the following webtoons. Lore Olympus, Siren's Lament, Let's Play, My Dear Cold-Blooded King, and I Love You. In the description box of this podcast, I give you the start times for when I talk about each webtoon, and there is a short musical interlude between each one. So feel free to skip around and listen to the discussions of the webtoons that you love the most. Thank you to everyone who checked out our Lore Olympus fanfiction episode that came out this past Saturday. Josh, have you had a chance to check it out yet? I did. It's wonderful. Hey, thank you. It had three different fanfiction stories with voiceover from three different actors, and it was a lot of fun to put together. I hope to do more fanfiction episodes of our favorite webtoons in the future. So you are listening to issue number 36. Don't forget that after issue number 40, the weekly Tuesday episodes will no longer be discussions of four to six webtoons at a time. There will actually be standalone episodes discussing one webtoon, similar to our sex, love, and relationships episode in Lore Olympus, or Hiatus Trivia, or a fanfiction episode, but you will still get your discussions of the latest webtoons in these mini podcast episodes that are on Instagram and on Twitter. So before we start, our top cities that have listened to this podcast the most in the last seven days, I'll have Josh tell you which ones those are. Okay, the first one is Bloomington, Indiana. Mm -hmm. Then we have Chicago, Illinois. And then we have Plano, Texas. Uh, After that is Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 
where it gets cold. And then you have Cairo, Egypt, where the pyramids are, Houston, Texas, and finally Long Beach, California. We do love Long Beach. It's great. So thank you guys so much for listening, and good job, Josh. All right, let's get into it. Lore Olympus, episode 74. Remember, our theme this week is good versus evil. So of course I googled it and I found an article on psychologytoday.com that's called The Real Meaning of Good Versus Evil. Here are some of the highlights of that article. The first thing it says is that human nature is infinitely more complex than this, of course. In human beings, good and evil are fluid. People can be a combination of good and bad qualities. So what does it really mean when we use these simplistic terms, good and evil? I'll share what good is, and then Josh will share what evil is when we talk about it simplistically. So good means a lack of self-centeredness. It means the ability to empathize with other people, to feel compassion for them, and to put their needs before your own. So Josh, what are evil people? So evil people are those who are unable to empathize with others. As a result, their own needs and desires are of paramount importance. They're selfish, self-absorbed, and narcissistic. So with these definitions in mind, and knowing that everyone in this entire world has selfless and selfish moments, let's analyze the actions of the characters in this particular episode of Lore Olympus. So let's talk about Minth and Thetis, Josh. Uh, last week, I talked all about the 10 signs of the toxic friendship that they have, but let's just talk about Thetis first. What were her actions in this episode? Well, she brought Minth back to her place after she blacked out from all the drinks that she forced down Minth's throat. So Minth missed her date with Hades. Right. So what do you think about those actions? Well, Thetis seems like a pretty self-absorbed character. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if... Um, she's knowingly cruel to people and, you know, her friends particularly. She is knowingly cruel to her friends particularly. Mm-hmm. She enjoys it. <laughs> she's enjoying herself right, I mean, she right now. She was hurt last episode when Zeus hung up on her, so yes. she's hurting others. But there, there's no remorse. There's no vulnerability. It's just, let me be cruel to you. There's no remorse or vulnerability right now. Even, even on the webtoon, one of the comments was from Violetta Marie who said, Imagine manipulating your friend's relationship because your affair isn't going well. Can't relate. (laughs) Isn't that great? Yes. (laughs) That definitely, that's status right now. So Mm -hmm. if we were to use the simplistic terms of good versus evil, there is so much self-absorbed, like self-centeredness. I would say that Thetis is evil right now. Yeah. She falls in the evil spectrum. If we get some backstory and if we get some empathy from her or some remorse, that could change. But for now, let's place her there. All right. What about Mint's actions in this episode? The things that she did. She freaked out. She called Hades. And then she seemed a little bit upset when he didn't pick up. Right? Mm-hmm. Those were her actions. We didn't see her a ton this episode. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, I, I don't think there's enough to put her on one side or the other, except for the fact that she stood the guy up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you said forced drinks down her throat, but... They, they were not forced down her throat. She has a choice of what she's drinking. Um, so That's I'm, tough, though, because you trust your friend. And 
the first thing I remember when I was in school and they're giving us alcohol education, they were saying the first thing it does is impair your decision making skills. Mm -hmm. And she didn't know she was being she didn't I don't know. It just felt like she was being manipulated by someone she trusted. I can see that. So I I don't blame her for drinking that much, especially to the point that she probably blacked out because she didn't know where she was when she woke up in the morning. What do you think? Is it complicated? No, it's complicated, but I still blame her. I mean, you yes, still, she could have been more responsible. You, especially, you know, like, okay, I'm I'm leaving. I'm going to have to say no to drinks at some point. You mm-hmm. walk in with that expectation. So I think she's sitting in her consequences a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, she hasn't done anything. I mean, she just called uh, Hades. So she hasn't really made any actions that are good or evil. It's true. In this moment. I think when she looked really upset, that he didn't answer the call. <laughs> I, I thought that was interesting and a little maybe self-centered because mm-hmm. she hurt him. She needs to be. I would understand if I did something like that to you, if I didn't show up when I said I would right. and you didn't answer the phone, I'd be like, I, I, I understand. <laughs> I'd be interested in seeing what she had to say in that phone That's call. If he did too. pick up, where would that go? Would she blame him? I don't know. You should just came and got me no matter how drunk I am (laughs) well then that would not be very healthy for their relationship so I'd say that Minth is we didn't see enough of her this episode to be like okay this is evil or good but I'm I'm leaning towards the she should she can do more Mm -hmm, (laughs) she could do more so we'll just have to wait and see what about Persephone's actions she checked in to see if Hades friended her on Facebook but he didn't it was just Hermes thought that was cute and then she called Hades to ask how he was doing and then she felt like she genuinely wanted to know how Hades was doing yes it was yes she wanted to hear his voice that's something she wanted for Mm -hmm. herself but she also wanted to know how he was doing Mm mm-hmm so would you label Persephone's actions as good, as self-centered, or selfless? Right, yeah. When you put it that way, it's um, it's not entirely selfless, mm-hmm. you know, because she she's attracted to him. She knows she's crossing boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, she has She's made promises in other directions that this is a little bit fuzzy on reaching out to Hades just to talk. Right. It, it's it's like she canceled herself out. <laughs> she yeah, was, she definitely right? did something selfless, mm-hmm. but she did it for herself as at the same time. So mm-hmm. let's put her right in the middle. Of course, I think she's a good character overall. Yeah. I yeah. love her. But at the same time, she of course, she was doing things for herself in this episode. Right. And um, she wanted to hear this guy's voice. She's like, it's just talking. We can do talking. It's not inappropriate. Even it's, though he's a girlfriend. There's, there's some like vulnerability there. There's some like self-reflection involved in these decisions which you didn't see from we don't see in like the true narcissist characters you're so right you don't see that in apollo and you don't see Mm -hmm. that in thetis you don't see that in any of our you know antagonists yeah and so let's talk about hades what he did this episode was answered persephone's call hung up on minth felt devastated for a second when persephone mentioned that he texted at 4 a.m and i thought that showed how much he doubts himself Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, he is her boss, and that could have been a tricky situation where he texted her. But um, I think analyzing Hades gets really tricky because we're talking about self-centeredness and whether characters are being self-absorbed or not. And he does focus on self. I think, you know, there's inferior pride and superior pride. Yes. There's the thinking I'm way better than everyone else, and there's thinking I'm way worse than everyone else. And yes. I think Hades struggles with the second one 
he feels like he's not worth anything. I feel like we've been getting that sense the entire webtoon. So he is focusing on self when he's like, I shouldn't have done this and I shouldn't have done that. But at the same time, he's concerned about how Persephone took that 4 a.m. message. Right. And I, I thought it was especially funny, the little bit about butt dialing. Because mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought of the way that would be perceived by someone who doesn't understand the colloquialism. <laughs> just, it sounds sexual. And <laughs> what is a funny. butt dial? Right? That's what this podcast episode is called. What's a butt dial? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I agree. I think he's, um, I don't know. It's tough. It, you can't. You can't dislike Hades. Um, you can dislike this proclivity to be, you know, so full of doubt and um, down on himself. Yeah, we have to keep seeing what makes him feel like this. What mm-hmm. has he been through? We know people are always saying that he smells like death and putting him down. So we just have to keep exploring what makes his self-esteem so low. Yeah. So and there, I mean... You want him, the selfish thing would be to stay in that place. Um, Just say, this is who I am. This is what I'll be for the rest of my life. Terrible, worse than everybody else. Mm -hmm. The, in a weird way, like the selfless thing is to actually ask for help. Mm. And I think a lot of that is coming, the reason he's attracted to Persephone, because he sees her as uh, an avenue of help, Mm -hmm. of change, of losing that selfishness. So... In a way, reaching out to her um, is a good thing. And with that, let's wrap up our discussion of Lore Olympus. And I'm really excited to see how things unfold in next week's update. Next up is Siren's Lament, episode 150. So we start off with Peel. She takes River's jacket, she takes his boat, and she sets off without telling him what she's going to do. And then later she shows up to where Sean, Lyra, and Ian are, and she holds a knife up to Sean's face, calling him a murderer. And it's funny because in my first bullet point note, when I recorded this episode the first time, I wrote, if this was the first episode that you came across in Siren's Lament, you would think that Peel was an evil character. So this was the first episode you've ever read of Siren's Lament. What did you think of Peel? Yeah, I thought she was a bad, bad guy. (laughs) Because they talked early on in the episode about her hunting sirens or something, right? No. And then she shows up on the boat where the sirens are and she's got a knife and she looks really cool. That's a really cool scene where she's holding the knife out at him. But I figured she was evil or something. That's funny because we're talking about good versus evil as our theme this week. And yeah, it makes sense that you'd feel that way. There are motivations. She used to be a siren and she used to be friends with everybody who's on the boat. But Mm. sirens, when they transition back into being human again, don't have their memories. And so she believes that someone murdered the guy that used to be her friend when she was a siren. And his name is Tua, but he's actually alive. And she's probably going to find that out in the next episode. But right now, her motivations are for revenge. She wants to kill the person she thinks killed Tua. She's totally wrong, but she doesn't know she's wrong. And I feel like she's less evil than Thetis <laughs> in Lore Olympus right now. Thetis is like gleeful when someone is mm-hmm. suffering. 
Pila doesn't even look happy. She's like, I'm sorry I had to take this boat, but I'm going. That's true, yeah. right? I don't think she's actually going to stab anybody. I don't think she's going to stab anyone either. I hope <laughs> not. <laughs> if she does end up stabbing Sean, we'll have to revisit this concept, but I don't think she's going to do that. So Sean, he's the one who doesn't want Lyra to be mad at him anymore because in the previous episode, he called her naive and submissive. You know, the guy who's the siren with the white hair and the dark skin. His name is Ian, and he kind of got some new powers lately, and he got powers from someone who used to be like the main one of the main villains of the show. He's like now that new person's replacement almost. And so his eyes glow sometimes, and he hasn't told his two friends on the boat that this has happened to him like he has all of his memories from his very first life as a human and he's gotten everything back while Sean has like no memories at all and Lyra has some memories <laughs> so if that makes any sense at all since you jumped in at episode 150 I like Sean that he is seeking advice for how to mend things with Lyra mm -hmm. that shows like he's, he's not self-absorbed even the joke about like well just do a special dance for her where you strip down and he's like did I really do that? Should I do that? That shows like he's not thinking of himself. He's thinking of her. But what do you think? Okay. So first, it, now it makes a little bit more sense. The idea that they've lost their memories. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was a little confused about who was what and when who. But that makes sense. Uh, Sean, he seemed he seemed like a nice guy. I didn't understand why she was angry at him. Mm -hmm. But I can now. Because mm -hmm. um, he doesn't trust Ian. He feels like something happened to him. And it's true. We all know something's happened to Ian. So why why doesn't Ian have legs? So he is a siren right now. <laughs> so you can't go back and forth. You can if you share the curse with someone, which is what Sean and Lyra are doing. They kissed because when Lyra kisses someone, she's supposed to like, she ends up splitting the curse with that person. So without getting too stuck in the details... Ian now, his one goal is to get Lyra to that lighthouse because he believes, due to his him receiving his past memories, he believes that she's the reincarnation of the person he loved. But mm. he keeps trying to get her to be that person. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even 100% sure she is that person. So his actions are the ones that kind of are self-serving right now because he's keeping secrets from his most trusted friends and even though he realizes that Emila and Lyra have different personalities, he's like, she was more fun loving and Lyra is a little bit more serious. Um, I feel like he can't stop clinging to the possibility that Lyra and is Emila reincarnated. So what do you think about Ian just from this episode? Where does he fall in terms of our simplistic versions of good versus evil? Yeah, I mean, he falls along the self-centered Line. I mean, you can always rationalize your self-centeredness into I'm doing it for other people. Yes. I'm, I'm releasing the real Lyra by helping her get to the lighthouse or something. But really, it's just about what he wants. Mm -hmm. That's what it seems. At least he's starting to feel conflicted, though. You can tell. And when he had to hide his eyes glowing from Sean, because if Sean sees that, he'd be like, no, only the villain's eyes glow. Mm. <laughs> so mm. it's it, he knows he's doing something a little bit secretive. I'm just trying to help Ian. I don't want him to lose all his friends. Mm. I want him to be happy, too. So I think he's falling into that. I wouldn't say Ian's evil, but he's falling towards that side if he doesn't start changing things up a little bit. So Danya Oki commented on this webtoon and said, OMG, I bet River followed her. Brothers are going to reunite too. So River, 
also mm-hmm. <laughs> was a siren, but now that he's a human, he doesn't remember being a siren. And his brother is tied up on that boat. So, so that'll be a... River likes Peel? Yeah, he likes any woman he meets. He oh, flirts really? with them okay. all the time. I think he genuinely probably likes Peel because they've been together way. for a while. Mm-hmm. But, but Peel likes someone who th- she thinks is dead but is really alive. Yeah, and okay. he's at the flower shop right now. So <laughs> so we're waiting for like a lot of reunions. Larissa Ziegler, isn't that a cool name that person used? Yes. Isn't that from Hannah, Hannah, the series on Amazon? Marissa Ziegler? That sounds right. Larissa Ziegler? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Larissa Ziegler commented on this webtoon and said, Someone tell her Tua is alive before she does something she'll regret, please. Yes. So I don't think she's going to stab Sean, even you who just met Peel, you don't think she's going to stab him. No, I was like, what do these what do these people do to her? They probably deserve it. They didn't do anything to her. <laughs> they don't deserve it. <laughs> there is someone on the boat, though, who does deserve some stuff. But I think he's going to find some redemption here. We'll find out. So I am so looking forward to the next update of Siren's Lament. Now let's talk about Let's Play episode 78. So we have three characters who we can analyze their actions and kind of place them in the spectrum of good versus evil, selfish versus selfless. And that's Eva Mm -hmm. and Sam and a little bit of Marshall, but mostly Eva and Sam. So Eva was nice to Sam when introduced to her and she was very concerned about her brother. That's true. This entire episode. She found out from the doctor that Marshall has some kind of broken heart syndrome. It's a very rare condition that like a healthy young man should not be experiencing. And then as the doctor was explaining, Charles was kind of checking in on Sam to see if she was all right. And Eva noticed this, but she kind of glared a bit. I think it literally said the word glare. And then she didn't say anything. And she didn't interrupt the doctor as he was talking. And then she went in to see her brother and we kind of saw her soft side. So she seems like a really tough, really intense person who loves her brother Marshall slash Benjamin a lot. What did you think? Yeah, uh, I liked her. I thought she was like a big sister to Marshall and she wanted to protect him and keep him safe. I thought I was, I didn't know how she would react to Sam mm-hmm. being there um, in their relationship, but she, she took it well. She was grateful and that Sam essentially saved his life or Charles did, whoever. And we have to keep in mind that she came running when she got the call mm-hmm. that her brother's in the hospital. So that's empathy. Right. On her motorcycle, mm-hmm. like do rah rah. <laughs> Dararara. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> is that it? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so I guess I would put her in good. Yeah, I would she, put her in good. She's good. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's evil. It's not self-centered. Except some people might say because of her past of you know stabbing or jabbing at Charles with what is it called a sword when you're yeah, fencing. Uh, Right? A sword, yes. She stabbed him in the same... Well, she didn't stab him, but she poked him in the same spot repeatedly. He bruised. Mm -hmm. I like that part. You you enjoyed that. (laughs) (laughs) So, she's great. Uh (laughs) I just wanted to bring that up for some people who say, like, well, that's not the best thing, but we don't know enough about her to put her in any category yet. It's true. She she sacrificed her time and energy to come immediately and see how her brother's doing Mm -hmm. and warn him about their mother. It's true. So Sam, she has a breakdown next to Marshall's hospital bed. 
she can't help but feel guilty and feel like it's all her fault now that he's experiencing this rare broken heart. I don't think we could have ever imagined how intense it was for Marshall to replay her game. Yeah, I mean, there was part of it was going back and realizing that she was always there from the beginning as a fan. Yeah. And that she was really caring about him and affirmative to him on his journey. So to be so callous and careless when he reviewed her game, I think it's pretty shocking. Mm-hmm. Well, now Sam sees all the effort he put into making amends. She mm-hmm. feels bad for giving him a hard time, too. So, yeah, I think Sam's actions show that she cares about Marshall a lot. Whether it's just friendly or whether it's more than friends, not sure. But she just cares about him as a person. And I felt like she was... She came to the hospital. She came running. That's pretty selfless. However, she's the only one in the scenario who could call Monica, his girlfriend, and let him know what's going on. And that has not happened yet. That's very true. The doctor has already come. Mm -hmm. And given the diagnosis, that means time has passed. He's been hooked up to machines. Time has passed. Someone has not thought about Monica at all. Which, yeah. which puts Sam in a little bit of murky and murky area. I mean, to be fair, I didn't think about Monica. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I was like, Monica, I would feel so bad. And mm-hmm. She's going to feel terrible when she finds out. Yeah, in she fact, will. she's always been nice. Yeah, she's always mm-hmm. been there for, for her boyfriend and yeah. has been kind to him. And she's going to feel sad when everyone's sitting at the hospital, including his sister, including Charles, including so many people. <laughs> and she doesn't know. Her f- future boo. Yeah. You think she's going to be with Charles? Yeah. That's one of Josh's ships, and I respect his ship. (laughs) So Sam Charles is real, commented on this webtoon and said, Y'all realize how pissed Monica is going to be by just everything? Marshall for ignoring her, herself for not taking more care of him, Sam for making him play Ruminate again? I feel so sorry for her. I think she'll either be very, very upset or be very, very quiet, and both will be scary. What do you think? I think that she's going to be um, pretty strict with Marshall and that he let himself get to that place, that he should have taken a break. Uh, I think she'll be a little suspicious of Sam, especially that she's like, why am I the last one to hear about all this? But I think it's mostly going to come down on Marshall. It's hard, though. Would she really come down on Marshall when he's laying in a hospital bed really sick with his little heart? Yeah, but his heart didn't break for her. Oh, Ooh, (laughs) his heart didn't break for her. Mm -mm. Um, I haven't thought about it that way. I feel like if I saw you, though, and you were feeling really ill, I probably wouldn't be mad at that moment. But when you feel better, I'm going to say I asked you to take breaks and you didn't take breaks because that's what she The last time we saw her. She was leaving. She didn't come on to her dog. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Because she asked the boy to just lay in bed and get better. But he didn't do it out of his obligation to play Sam's game again. So I'm just really excited to see what happens next in Let's Play. My Dear Cold-Blooded King, episode 114. So we are talking about good versus evil this entire podcast episode. And I feel like My Dear Cold-Blooded King really touches on it the most out of all of these webtoons because of Kozuke and May and the interactions that they have. So let's just talk about Kozuke's actions and then talk about May's actions and see where they fall on the spectrum of good versus evil, especially when it comes to our definitions from psychologytoday.com of just self-centeredness and 
empathy. So Kozuke, he tries to take Mei by force, even though she's saying no. Even though she's saying the words no and saying, don't make me fight you, he kisses her anyway. The only thing that makes him stop is her biting his lip. And those actions seem extremely self-centered. He just wants what he wants and he wants to take what he wants. And then even when he was later in the episode saying, how can I make you love me? Me, 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 me. He's mm. thinking about himself. Mm -hmm. And then when Mei says she's in love with the Blood King, meaning Ryusaki, Kosuke then immediately tries to leave, leave the conversation, leave the room to go kill Ryusaki. Um, so I'm just thinking in my head, this is not love that he feels for Mei whatsoever. He wants to hurt Ryusaki by either stabbing him or forcing Mei in bed so that Ryusaki can see that. That's still all about what Kozuke wants. If he really did love Mei the way he thinks he does, I think he would care more about how she's feeling in this moment. She's being very clear. And I just felt like his version of love is very bleak. What did you think about his actions in terms of good versus evil? Well, I, I agree 100%. Uh, selfish mm -hmm. I think yeah there are these moments when I was reading and he's um, telling her how much he loves her mm -hmm. and has always loved her and I think you, you what are you talking about you were just forcing yourself on her that how, how can you say you love her when you're you know not thinking about her or what she wants or trying to make her happy what, what is that and it makes me think of um, our discussion with Laurel Olympus a little bit too how Hades is a little bit of a selfish person who is also seeking out help mm -hmm. um, and is asking for help. But Kozuke, he's not asking for help at all. He he doesn't want to change. And so it was painful for me to watch May almost beg him to be different. Mm -hmm. That This is not how you, you find a man that's going to change. You need to find a man that wants change. She already found her man. She doesn't want this man, but she does want to help him a lot. So let's talk about May a little bit. She thinks of Ryosaki and how he would feel if he knew that Kosuke was kissing her. And that brings her so much pain. And I think for me, this completely cemented the ship of Ryusaki and May. For a while, I used to be a, a Katsu and May shipper. And and then I saw her start to have feelings for Ryusaki and I started to shift. And now it feels clear. That's the who she thinks of. That's who she respects and admires and wants to marry. So I am now, now that she's truly chosen Ryusaki, I am 100% on board with her. And... One thing I struggled with was May believing deep down that Kozuke is a good man because his actions in this moment, sure, he could be a good man. Sure, he might have been a good man, but his actions right now in this particular episode are not the actions of a good man mm -hmm. because no man should do that. Mm -hmm. So it was it was a tough episode and it was really fun to wrestle with and explore yeah. all the different perspectives because he is the villain. He's a villain in this series. You know, he... He is the villain. He's the person that we've been scared of this whole time. But at the same time, he has a backstory. So May believes his whole deal is a facade. And then she hugs him. And I thought it was a really well-drawn panel of her hugging him. Um, and it was this, this somehow life-changing hug for him because he finally, for the first time, apologized in this series. Um, I don't think we've ever seen him be vulnerable at all. But notice that even his apology is May, I'm sorry that I lost you. It's not May, I'm sorry that I hurt you, which he physically just hurt her in this. Or at least, yeah, he's, he hurt her in this episode. Mm -hmm. So it was. It's it's hopefully the start of a longer apology. 
I'm hoping that for Kozuke's sake and for May's because she's put a lot of effort into this and he needs to be even more contrite for me to to start rooting for him and seeing him as more than just a villain and more than just someone who's very self-centered. Right. So that's where I am. Xena5050 commented and said, that hug was more powerful than, than any kiss, I think. I mean, he needs a friend. I honestly hope he can find someone who's not May who encourages him too, who's not someone who he's tried to force himself onto because that's asking a lot of her. That's asking a ton of May and no one should have to go through all of that just to get a hope of, like some ray of hope that you are good inside, you know? And then 15 Thorn commented on this webtoon and said, Even when May was little, she was able to see through him. He didn't realize that by taking the chance to become this powerful entity, he was risking his love. Every time he craved more power, love was slipping through his hand like sand. Not only can people change their attitude and behavior, they can also have a change of heart. I like the slipping through his hand like sand. He is everything that's important to him. I feel like he's lost and because of his actions and because of how things happen to him. And then Ginger commented and said, of course, I hope Yuta slash Kozuke can find redemption, but he has to know that he doesn't possess May. Doesn't matter that he knew her longer. He prioritized vengeance over finding her again, and that's how he lost her. He can't make her love him because she doesn't. Yeah, it's a little crazy to think that ownership comes with um, how long you've known a person because everybody is changing. I'm not the same person I was when I was a kid. You're not. Kozuke isn't. Mm-hmm. It's it, you don't you don't own a person like that. You can't. Maybe being like tortured and beaten in his childhood got him stuck in that childhood mentality because that's something a child would say. I touched that toy first. That toy's mine, right? Right. Yeah. So that's where we are with Kozuke. I really hope that we get a longer apology because he does owe May that and but right now it looks like war is about to start so we'll see what happens in the next update of my dear cold-blooded king I love you episode 91 so this is Josh's first episode of I love you let's keep that in mind but we're still discussing good versus evil in all of these webtoons. So we meet Yu Jing, and a lot of people call her a Velma cosplayer in this episode because she looks like Velma from (laughs) Scooby-Doo. I've seen it on Instagram. I've seen it in the webtoon comments, and I think it's hilarious, and I agree. So we might be calling her the Velma cosplayer in this podcast episode because we can't unsee it. Anyway, she said it was nice to see the brothers, Yonggi and Kosuke, in the same room together without it being too hostile. And I thought that reminded me of Fruits Basket a little bit and how Yuki and Kyo are relatives who are very hostile with each other, but the more time they spend with Toru, the nicer they are with each other, the more they tolerate each other. I felt like I got that vibe. And so maybe Shin A is like their Toru. But for those of you who don't know Fruits Basket, that's just something that I think I'm admiring in I Love You, the similarity there. So what else did Yu Jing do in this episode? This is like us really first meeting her with you. So she caught Shin A when she was walking towards her and tripped. She said, don't apologize to me. How is your foot? You know, you're the one who fell. And then she gave Shanae her phone back and gave her a kiss on the cheek and a compliment saying, you're very cute. You know that? I get the feeling that something 
that's something that needs to be told to you more often. And I was like, yes, that's something that needs to be told to Shanae more often. She is so cute. And these boys never tell her that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that why was my reaction. Always, yeah, why is she always apologizing? Do you mean Shanae apologizing? Yeah. Does yeah. she do it a lot in this episode? I, I think she does it twice, but it felt like a lot. It I, felt like something that she did. Yeah, often. Because mm-hmm. she feels out of her league with all these people. They're very wealthy I assume Yu Jing is wealthy, too, because she gave her fashion advice when she was trying to, like, fit into this world more. So what do you think about our Velma cosplayer? Good? Evil? Self-centered? Selfless? What could we construe from her actions so far? It's really tough, right? The, the author did a great job of having a lot of subtext and complicating this character. Because mm-hmm. at first, when I... Uh, walked into the episode she was the antagonist and she seemed to be messing up whatever dinner was going on or lunch meal and she seemed mean (laughs) and i don't know if she took her cell phone or not i thought that was a possibility right um but at the end affirming our our main girl Mm -hmm. that seemed nice i like that Mm -hmm. yeah she's she seems like she'd go either way But she's not really messing up this dinner because in the previous episode, it wasn't going great. (laughs) (laughs) Shanae, Kosuke is her boss and he's so stern and he's been so irritable lately. And I noticed that people were noticing the comments. Is he a little grumpy lately? He always has been stoic, but he's a little bit more so now. And I think it's because he saw Shanae on a date with a guy named Dieter at the amusement park and he's just been grumpy ever since so we need to explore that kosuke i hope we get to explore that with him a little bit him sorting out and processing these feelings mm-hmm. because you saw how he was like kind of telling Eugene to get away and then when the two ladies are talking and i'm trying to figure out more about how she knows kosuke kosuke's like hey y'all are talking your food's ready let's go he kind of keeps showing up <laughs> to monitor what shin a is doing but he is her boss at work so that's, I feel like with Yu Jing, she could go either way. She seems delightfully complicated. But right now, I'm putting her in the good spectrum because she was affirming. She wasn't really messing anything up. I don't think she stole Shanae's phone, but maybe we'll find out in the next episode. Kusak right. commented on this webtoon, quoting Kosuke saying, Don't call me dear. And then Yu Jing said, Sure thing, honey. And then Kusak said, I like her. And that's how I feel, too. Someone needs to challenge him. He he does seem to get his way because of the power and um, the company that he works for and his family. So it's nice to see her kind of come and set him off a little bit. So I hope we find out more about Yu Jing and how she knows Kosuke in the next episode of I Love You. And I just want to say thanks to Josh for joining me for this episode. It made it a lot easier to re-record. You're very welcome. It was my pleasure. Yeah, he felt bad when it just disappeared last night. He tried to fix it, but there was no way to fix it. There wasn't. It was sad. But I'm grateful for the opportunity to re-record. And now let's move on to the next segment. Now we're in our listener response segment, and last week I asked, what was the scariest Webtoon moment you've experienced? And Caitlin, who goes by Cattyum on Instagram, DM'd me to respond, saying, in response to your question of the week, the monsters in Sweet Home are pretty creepy, especially the ones with many long legs out of its back. 
Melvina's therapy is pretty scary. I completely noped out of unknown caller when it switched to camera mode. So I have seen these webtoons and I have looked at them and been too scared to read them. So I am just a scaredy cat. I'm a little too terrified to touch those. But Caitlin and I also talked about lookism and how that webtoon has really transformed itself to be something that can be very scary and mind-boggling at times. So that's my top one. Like, lookism has provided the scariest moments for me. And it's good to know that Melvina's Therapy and Sweet Home and a few others are also super scary too. So thank you for responding. We are reaching the end of the podcast where I pose a question of the week to you. What's the webtoon you have reread the most? What's the webtoon you have reread the most? For me, if we're talking about recent episodes, it's Lore Olympus because I will go back and just reread to see what's going on and, um, you know, further analyze what might happen. But then when it comes to completed webtoons, I feel like I've read Winter Woods a lot and Untouchable a lot. So those are my top three when it comes to the webtoon I've reread the most. Let me know what yours is. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Girl Wonder. We currently have no sponsors, so here is a joke instead. What do you call a bee that's having a bad hair day? A frisbee. (laughs) Thank you again for listening. New episodes of Girl Wonder are uploaded on Tuesdays. I'm Joe Rochelle, and we'll talk again next week. Bye.